Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Hey, Angela, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So... You reached out to me, actually, I don't know when it was, um, some number of months ago, and we chatted. And then you applied, it was such a fortuitous chain of events, right? You applied to pitch at, at um, Expo West, and I got assigned as your mentor for pitching. So what a, what a coincidence, <laughs> huh? It was very, it was a perfect pairing. I was so glad when I saw that you were my mentor. I'm like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we start this by um, having you talk a bit about you and about kind of what inspired you to start your company? Right. So um, it goes way back to when I was a 13-year-old growing up in a Greek household, which were heavy meat eaters, mm-hmm. um, and my dad actually owned a hamburger fast food restaurant, too, here in Los Angeles, which was quite successful. And in my quest for healthy eating, I was trying to find the best way to fuel my body, and I was always interested in nutrition, and I kind of went by the knowledge that we knew then, and I became a vegetarian. I decided I am not going to eat meat. Meat mm-hmm. is not healthy. Meat is not good for you. Something about the practices just didn't appeal to me. <clears throat> so I became a vegetarian. And, again, resonated. growing up in this household where meat was constantly served and right. we're in a family business of meat food service, it was very weird that, that I was just um, not participating in that. And for 35 years, I was fueling my body with various protein powders, protein supplements, protein shakes, protein bars, anything I can, I can get my protein in, Mm -hmm. um, in addition to, you know, beans and vegetables and so forth. And that served my body fine for a number of years until it really did. About four years ago, I was having all sorts of different digestive issues Mm. and and not feeling well. So at the same time, I was studying nutrition um, and becoming a holistic nutrition coach Mm. and learning the benefits of well-sourced grass-fed and finished beef. Right. Um, and if you know the source, you don't need too much. You know, all we need is about four to six ounces of, of animal protein. But if it is clean protein, and it's either wild-caught or grass-fed finished or pasture-raised, mm-hmm. um, it could really service your body well. So I tried introducing meat and incorporating it back to my diet about four years ago, and I never looked back since. I thought, what have I been missing? Mm. Not only, yeah, not only did I feel more satiated and satisfied, but... But knowing, you know, that the animal was treated well and led the humane life, it was fed the diet, it was meant to be fed, it's, it's better for the environment, better for the animal, and better for your digestion. I really enjoyed incorporating high-quality animal proteins back into my diet. Right. So let's, let's before you start your brand, let's talk about that because I think um, – I think that there's, so I, I, I'm in Wisconsin, right? We have a lot of dairy here, um, but we also have mm-hmm. beef here as well. A um, little bit of pork, but not as much. And, and I think that one of the things that, that I think people miss about this, so you're bringing out the nutrition thing and, and how intimately the nutritional properties of meat are tied up with how the meat is, how the animals are raised. 
I think oh, that's absolutely. something that has Ab- been really missing from the um, conversation about meat and about, yeah. Right. And, you know, when I decided to eat meat again, I really dove deep into the, the meat production. I thought, if I'm going to bring this back into my diet, I, I want to witness what, mm-hmm. what is being produced out there. So I actually visited a cafe, um, mm-hmm. a cafe feeding lot and saw um, the practices, and yeah. I left horrified. Mm-hmm. I thought there is no way. I'm eating meat from animals like this that are, you know, living in their feces. They, mm-hmm. they are administered all sorts of antibiotics to, um, as a prophylactic because when they're fed a diet of corn and soy and grain, their stomachs aren't made to digest that sort of food. So they foam at the mouth. They go into ketoacidosis. They have mm-hmm. all these issues. Right. So they give them lots of antibiotics. They also give them growth hormones to get them to slaughter faster, mm-hmm. um, the conditions within which they live, they're just one on top of another, mm-hmm. um, with and no roaming the, right. to the and outside. I think, yeah. And it's just very, very disheartening, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is not the kind of meat I want to eat. Right. And, and not only that, like you said, I mean, all these antibiotics and hormones, and, um, and the way the animal is, is fed and slaughtered, does not do anything for the nutritional profile of the actual meat. So when you do have animals that are um, grazing naturally outside and feeding on grass, it has a different profile for the meat itself. It's Mm -hmm. a higher omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. It's more of a one-to-one ratio, which Mm -hmm. are a better ratio. Um, There's higher CLAs. There's better iron and B12. Um, They're high in zinc, magnesium, selenium. There's so many benefits to the nutritional profile of grass-fed and finished beef. Right. So So, um, making that connection is really (laughs) great. There's a lot there. Yeah. no, a lot to look at. Yeah, there is. There's a lot to look at. And I, I, I think... Um, I think it's wonderful that you, as somebody who started a brand like like you have, is the kind of person with a nutritional background because you can make these connections for people that I think people I think people are starting to learn about, but they don't really know about yet. You know what I mean? And then you made a product that makes it easy for them to to eat meat that is um, good for you in this way. Right, right. And a, a few of the things, you know, around grass-fed and finished beef, you know, people say it's hard to source or maybe it's more expensive. And, and I would agree, you know, grass-fed and finished beef, it is a bit more expensive than mm-hmm. feed lot beef. But from a nutritional aspect, I feel like you get so much more bang for your buck, and it's so much worth the investment. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I would, I would um, tell people to favor quality over quantity. We don't need mm-hmm. 12 and 16-ounce steaks for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, right. you just need a small four to six-ounce portion. And if you know it's coming from a humanely raised animal with proper proper um, feeding practices and proper uh, slaughtering practices, it's better for the animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another thing. I don't know if you've heard of this uh, xenohormesis theory mm-hmm. that the animal prior to being slaughtered, if it if it senses what's about to happen to it, mm-hmm. it tenses up. It's oh, like sure. that flight or fight yep. mode that we get in. It tenses up and releases all sorts of toxins into its fatty tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the energetics of the animal actually get released into its muscle mm-hmm. and tissue, and then we end up eating it. So, right. you know, there's a theory with that, too. I truly mm-hmm. believe that, that it's not only nutritionally, but also the energetics of the animal well, are translated yeah, into I mean, its and tissue. I, I know 
um, from, so Paul Willis, uh, one of the founders of Nyman Ranch, is a buddy of mine, and he told me that if you're bringing pigs, hogs to slaughter, right, and if, if they're stressed when they're slaughtered, the the meat is also just not tender. I mean, it's it'll be tough, like tough pork chops come, <laughs> right? Yeah, so so it's true. because of that. It's because of that. So it affects eating quality and probably um, nutritional profile as well. So, yeah, who knew this so was also important? I know it is. Yeah. <laughs> from a, a non-meat eater. I bet. Years. I <laughs> bet. So now you've created a brand and a product that that makes this easy for people because I think the other thing about this is grass-fed meat was hard for people to find at a store and then they had to cook it you know and they're stressed out about that and we all know that um, we're not as a culture we don't cook as much as we used to so making it easy is really important. Right, right. And growing up in the burger business, I mean, people love burgers. They've loved Absolutely. them for over 40, you know, 40 years. We've had our business. They've loved them forever. Uh-huh. Um, that's not going away anytime soon. Right. The, the, if you look at the cow, the least expensive um, parts of the cow are the chuck and the round that you can grind into beef. So mm-hmm. grinding the beef brings it, um, you know, to the consumer in the, in the least expensive manner rather than, like, the sirloin or the tenderloin grass-fed. So so I started, you know, sourcing these meats from farmers that I was able to go to and look at the farms up in Humboldt County in Northern California and Mm -hmm. see these beautiful cows and beautiful pastures, just the way nature intended them to live their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, that just made me feel so good to to feed myself and feed my family this kind of meat. So Mm -hmm. I would bring it in and I would... I bought a refurbished grinder on Amazon <laughs> and a white lab coat, literally. Oh, and what I a sat hoot. in my kitchen and I my kids thought I was a mad scientist. They're like, What are you doing? Right. But I would grind these meats and then I would season them with just herbs, spices, vegetables and purees. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know, I because um, again, sending nutrition, I know that there's so many hidden additives and sugars to make food palatable and addictive and I'm thinking there's got to be a way to make a beautiful patty that's flavorful just with natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. We don't need to add maltodextrin and right. yeast extract and potato starch. I mean, we don't need to add all mm-hmm. this stuff um, because we would cook like this in our Greek home. So right. if, if I'm cooking like this at home, there's a way I could figure out how to mass produce this and, and mm-hmm. put it on the market. So I had all these wonderful flavors. I had like Moroccan lamb and um, Southwest salmon. I would do seafood too, and I had... Um, Greek pork and Mediterranean beef and then mommy beef and chipotle chicken and, and a turkey one. And just all these great little patties I would, you know, make in little circular and put them in the freezer mm-hmm. and label them and, and pull them out when we were in a rush or we just wanted to throw a quick little four-ounce piece of protein on our on our plate. And people started loving them. My family, the, they would pass by and say, you know, brothers and cousins, do you have those patties that you make? Uh-huh. So after a while, I thought, okay, I'm making these. I can't even make them fast enough. And Whole Foods knew, um, knew me because I would shop there often, and the butcher knew my dad. I knew from, your from dad the from the restaurant the business. Burger yeah, business. and so there was a nice yeah. connection there. They thought, okay, these are burger people. They've been, they've been flipping burgers for over right, 40 years. They right. know what they're doing. My dad has a like I said, an established business here. So so I introduced them to what I'm doing. I'm like, you know, I'm making these in my kitchen, and they're really good. I've got these five flavors. And they said, oh, bring them by. And they I literally just brought them by to the butcher 
um, at Whole Foods and they cooked them in the back while I was shopping. Uh-huh. And they caught me down in another aisle and said, okay, we just made these things. They're so tasty. We are going to hook you up with corporate. Uh-huh. And I thought, seriously? Right, really? You think right. I'm unlocked or something? <laughs> and before I knew it, Tara, I was presenting my patties that I made in my kitchen to the corporate headquarters. Oh, God. And they loved my story. They loved my concept. And, of course, they had all eaten at my dad's restaurant, too. So they thought, oh, okay, right. Are, like I said, there was some credibility there. Of course. So they, they sent me on my way to build a brand, to come back with a package. I had nothing. Again, right. When I presented to I brought them a little Ziploc bag, you know, labeled with what they were. They picked the Chipotle chicken, the Mediterranean, and the umami beef. Uh-huh. Um, they tried a bunch, you know, and it was 8 a.m. in the morning. I thought right. they were trying burger patties. Uh, right, right. That's what they do. Um, and then they sent me on my way and said, okay, you need USDA label approvals. You need salt yeah. claims. You need a package. You need a box. You need a brand. <laughs> And it and took you, me about a little under a year. It took me 10 oh, months I'm sure. yeah. to line everything up. Mm-hmm. And if, if you know, anyone asked, this was not an easy task. No. I, I didn't know anything about CPG. But luckily, I mean, like you and other people that I was able to meet with along the journey to ask the right questions. And mm-hmm. every time I would meet someone, I would say, all right, how did you do it? And, and how did you get into this store? And how did mm-hmm. you get your packaging? And who did you use? So... There was just a lot of asking and a lot of absorbing of information, a lot of reading of books. There's some wonderful books out there on how to start a business mm-hmm. in CPG. Um, and I was mostly concerned with just not making huge financial or time mistakes mm-hmm. because we all, you know, this is a journey. I had to pivot a few times. I had to reformulate, restructure because anything you take from your kitchen when you right when you, you can't, produce it to scale. Even yeah. you know, I got a food scientist to help me with ingredients. But th- there was a lot of adjustments that had mm-hmm. to be made. But finally I had a product I was proud of and tried and tested and, and brought it back to Whole Foods and they said, Great, how soon can we have it on the shelves? And two months later I was on their shelves and that was September. Isn't that crazy? September of 2017. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is fantastic. We were able to get into Bristol Farms, Gelson's, and now rolling out to 170 Super Targets. Isn't that, that's amazing. Yeah, and I. It's been a whirlwind. It has been a whirlwind. So, um, so how did you solve the problem? Like with Tara's way, um, you know, when you're doing your branding work, so you have this big, deep story. This was like Tara's way, right? We were sourcing from small cheese plants, artisanal cheese scale cheese plants, and they were supplied by small family farms, and we had a clean product, and it was great tasting and chef-formulated and there's and really good for you. I mean, you know what I mean? There are all kinds of benefits, right? So one of the one of the big exercises with the brand was to try to figure out how to prioritize that and how to communicate that. So tell me about how you guys thought about your brand because you have a similar thing, right? You have this really right, deep and value it's hard because you don't want to get too label and heavy on your package. I mean, you could slap all sorts of things on there and. You want to make sure that what you're putting on there is resonating with mm, who you're selling this to. Absolutely. And I had been to a few paleo FX conferences in Austin, Texas, because uh-huh. as a nutritionist, and I, you know, I was, I had a practice. I was doing one-on-one coaching. I was practicing a little more of a paleo diet, and really, it's more of a real food diet, just mm-hmm. eliminating the processed 
crap out of your right, <laughs> out right. of your yep. eating protocol. So, so I felt like you know, I'm speaking to a certain community um, that understands the ancestral way of eating and just going back to your roots of just real ingredients. Mm-hmm. And also, I had done a couple Whole30, which if you're familiar with that, yeah. it's just a 30-day eating pro- protocol of eliminating some addictive foods or irritating foods or um, inflammatory foods from your, your ingredient list mm-hmm. and really becoming a detective of how to turn that label around. And I think in my practice, I was educating people more and more on the importance of not looking at the front of the package, but turning it around and looking at that ingredient list. And it's not about low fat and low calorie anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about the sugar content Mm -hmm. and the inflammatory ingredients that are are hidden in those to make Mm -hmm. the food addictive and palatable and, you know, so that you can't just have one. You just want to finish the whole bag. Right, right. So part of it was, really staying true to those pillars of how am I going to keep this as a clean ingredient and who am I speaking to? Mm-hmm. Am I speaking to the conscious carnivore and the conscious consumer that cares about what they eat but also care about what their eat eats, you know? Right. How, right. how was their animal fed? How was it raised? Mm-hmm. How was it um, watered? How was it brought, brought to my plate? Mm-hmm. So all those were important to me. And then I just, you know, honed in on the the three most important ones. And I think organic is still a, a, a big differentiating factor. People are still caring and looking for organic mm-hmm. on the label. Mm-hmm. Um, grass-fed and finished, like you said, I mean, there's a movement towards that. And I think, again, it's more of educating people that there are less expensive cuts of meats that you can eat to, to fulfill that grass-fed and finished. Right. And, and you can find them. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're becoming more and more available. And then for me, paleo certification and Whole30 was important because mm-hmm. that's sort of the community that I came from and that I speak to. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of connections in that community. And quite frankly, Kara, I would suggest this to any brand that's starting is, is know who you're speaking to. And yeah, I can't absolutely. tell you how, how helpful so they've been to getting my brand to the right people. Mm-hmm. So if you speak to a community, you know, make friends with them. Know who right. the, the big players are in that. Right. in that arena so that you can, they can help you. I mean, they've right. done, we've done incredible things on social media. Without their help, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Right. Well, and your brand, so tell me, that your, your brand is, um, the name of it is Tribali. So, and, it, and your package has sort of a tribalness to it. And is that because of the tribal, you know, kind of the tribal diet thing? Or, or where so did much. that come I from? Feel, I feel, for me, personally, I feel like, well, we all belong to a tribe. We like mm-hmm. the community. I mean, from, from your house, you know, you share the same last name with yeah. your, your tribe of family. Your mm-hmm. religion can be your tribe. Your political affiliation. And the way you eat is, is a tribe. And we, mm-hmm. we identify yourself, ourselves through the way we eat. People claim, I'm a vegetarian, or I'm a vegan, or I'm a, you know, I'm doing keto, or mm-hmm. I'm paleo. I mean... There's an identification to um, to the way you eat, and I also feel that every time you change anything in your life, you need a teacher, a mm-hmm. teaching, and a tribe mm-hmm. um, of of like-minded people mm-hmm. that do things the way you do them to help you with that teaching. So, in, and in teaching, I feel like the Tribali movement and joining our tribe is teaching people the importance of healthy, nutrient-dense food, right. clean ingredients, um, tr- 
trustworthiness in the brand. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to find any hidden natural flavors in there. It's just, right. It's, rosemary is rosemary, garlic is garlic, mm-hmm. lemon is lemon, right? It's just, you can pronounce it, you can see it, you can source it, you can find it. And mm-hmm. that was another criteria. I have three yeah, little kids yeah. and I, I wanted to make sure that they can all read what's on here. Right. Find it. Do you know what it is? Right. So, right. So that's kind of, you know, the tribe of, of, of that, that movement. And yeah. So that's kind of how my name came about, and I like it. You know, yeah, it yeah. I, it also conveys this sort of um, belonging, you know. It, it's a comforting feeling to people to be part of a tribe, right? right? So I think right. there's a comfort to, to the brand that you created. And then you... Um, it, it's funny when when you and I were first we first started talking. Um, we you, I think it was you who remarked that you know my packaging the, with the white background and everything. It reminds me of Tara's way. I mean, there's there's a lot about your brand that is similar to in in both who it's communicating to, but and ingredient formulation, all of that, right? And I have a white background, and so do you. Right, right, and there's a few other brands that are doing that. Oh, there are a lot now, yeah, yeah, but it yeah. conveys a Less lot of... Less is more, I think, simplicity, exactly. and it's funny because um, I did a little just survey of my own. I, I took my package when we decided on what the look's going to be. Mm-hmm. I took it, and I actually went to Whole Foods. Uh-huh. I took a few packages off the shelf and stuck this blank box on there, uh-huh. <laughs> and I stopped a few people on their way because, you know, I'm behind the freezer door, which is challenging in and of itself. Right, very um, Whoever's opening that door is mm-hmm. opening it with the purpose of purchasing and closing the door again. It's cold. Right. It's cumbersome. It's not comfortable holding that door open, so... You're not browsing the freezer. You're mm-hmm. sort of opening, grabbing, and closing. So you need a package that's not only going to jump off the shelf, but, but stand out mm-hmm. through that frosted glass that you're looking through, right? Right. So, and, I, and I did stop some people. I say, okay, of all the boxes in these two doors, which one, which one speaks to you? Which one resonates? Which one stands mm-hmm. out? And I swear, 99% of the time, people from Bali. Cool. And this was an empty box. I yeah. didn't have anything in what it yet. Funny... But I thought, what about it? Stands out. And, and the points they were making were, were right on with the decision I made. So mm-hmm. I felt, okay, I, I'm not only making this decision here alone amongst myself and my two team members, but it's resonating with, with the public. They're right. So right. That's... it helps to do a little survey like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. It gets back to this thing that... Um, you're not designing this for you. You're designing it for your um, target consumer, right? So, right. yeah, so it's that, that I yeah, I think you solved a lot of, really, in a very elegant way, solved a lot of those brand, brand communication issues with your branding. So it sounds like you started out um, um, in a few stores, and now you're scaling up pretty rapidly. Um, where do you, I'm assuming you use a co-packer to put your products together. We do, together. yeah. It yeah. has to be a USDA um, Certified, yeah, yeah. Certified, yeah. So, and that's up in Fresno. And we, uh-huh. you know, I, I said this in my pitch, because I pitched. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about Expo West. I did that. Yeah. I got to the final, so the pitch went there. And I think, um, I think I have a unique, from what I understand, I think I have a very unique um, relationship with uh, my co-packer, which doesn't really exist in the industry quite often, where they have partnered with us and are helping us bring down our costs, mm. which is so rare. I mean, I've heard of nightmare you know, relationships right. with 
co-packers. You can't trust them. They right, 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 you know, right. Rip off your idea. Or, ours are working with us because they love what we're doing. As a matter of fact, when I pitched to the team mm-hmm. up there, yep. they were all doing a whole 30. So they knew oh, what, what I'm about. Hoot. They knew why I'm bringing this. So it was ironic. And so they knew the whole protocol. Um, and they help us with uh, every single ingredient especially the meat and the chicken, of, of how we can reduce our costs. And that's mm-hmm. huge when you have a co-packer that's really working with you and mm-hmm. on your side. Mm-hmm. Well, and and your product actually solves a big problem for them, too, because carcass utilization is kind of, you make money and lose money in meat on carcass utilization, right? And And right. ground beef or ground anything is a great way to get good carcass utilization. So you're helping them, too, in this. I mean, exactly. it really is a synergistic thing. So this must be exactly. a fairly small-scale facility. No, it's, it's not a small-scale. It's a pretty big-scale facility. And I'd gone through, I have to tell you, I'd gone through pitching to seven different co-packers. It uh-huh. was important to me yeah, to have to a co-packer right that was close enough that I could oversee production. Mm-hmm. And I've overseen every single production to date. Mm-hmm. Cost of labor is cheaper in other states, of course. So mm-hmm. I could have gotten a better pricing had I gone to Kansas or Missouri right, or, right. you know, I don't know, middle America. But um, I, I wouldn't be able to fly out every single time we're, right. we're producing. Mm-hmm. So it was important to me. Um, and these guys are just wonderful to work with. I mean, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed our relationship. And, right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and, and Whole Foods actually was pretty paramount in, in pointing me in the right direction because in order to get into Whole Foods, and that was my first account, we right. needed to partner with someone that was already approved uh-huh. through that. Uh-huh. Um, so they gave me a list of all sorts of co-founders across mm-hmm. the U.S., and I pitched to seven different ones until I, I got with this one. And mm-hmm. some of them did not want to end the production line, which I'm sure a lot of small brands um, share the same problem. Nobody wants to stop those 2,000, oh, exactly. 20,000 pound production line for your little, little thing, for mm-hmm. your 200, you know, test market. Um, so that's a hard thing to convince someone like, well, I have an order in hand. I'm going to market. I'm going to produce this, but I, we need to test it first. Mm-hmm. And we need to test the flavors and, and, adjust and pivot and test mm-hmm. again until we get it right. That's a, that's a, that's really a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. These well, just, you know, these big factories just turn thousands of orders a day and, mm-hmm. and, you know. Well, it sounds like you ended up with a really good situation. So that's fantastic. And can they freeze them there then for you? They do. Yeah. They do. Um, and there's a big freezer cold storage right across the street. Too. Mm-hmm. So when we, Pack, we freeze, and then we store across. Right, perfect. Um, and everybody, everybody picks up from Fresno. I mean, you know, right. now we even have Target picking directly up from. Right. Them, so it does yeah. help to be in a place where food is already being produced, right? I I think, um, you know, a lot of the the you know food innovation is happening all over the country, and it's really difficult if you're in a place where there isn't a lot of existing food processing going on, right? Because you wouldn't have the coal storage right across the street, even if you could right. find the meat people, and then the trucks aren't going there. And there's a lot of um, infrastructure, is the, you know, that is in a community around food. So um, so you're very fortunate in, to be where you are. And then, then you, there's also just some beautiful ranches up there, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was lucky to be able to visit. Um, 
some of the ranchers that we're partnering with, mm-hmm. and, and it just makes a difference. You know, when you mm-hmm. vet the ranchers and you know you've been there, you, you talk to them about their standards, their practices, you align, you feel like you're on the same page, um, it's, it's just great. And then, you know, this whole new regenerative agriculture yeah, movement um, that's happening right now where they're using, you know, animals and cows to actually give us better topsoil. Right. So there's, there's that whole movement, and, and hopefully Trevally can be a part of it. That's just sourcing from certain ranchers that have mm-hmm. those practices. And for us, it's just about finding the right price. But that would make a huge difference for right. us, too. Because well, and that ultimately getting back to this, what animals eat, determines the nutrition and the food that we eat, you know what I mean? The, that regenerative agriculture stuff um, is putting minerals and things back into soil that then goes into the plant, that goes into the animals, that goes into right. us, right? I mean, there's a whole chain Absolutely. of events there. It's a whole chain of events, and it's, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't take the animal out of the chain. You right. right, right, right. So, yeah, that's fantastic, super exciting so, yeah, so you pitched. So to, let's talk about that. So um, at you had pitched before you pitched at Expo West, right? You'd pitched somewhere else, if at, I'm not mistaken. At Project Knopf. Right. At Project Knopf. Project Knopf. Um, yeah. In November, uh-huh. and I won that one. Yeah, isn't that awesome? applicants, five brands went up on stage, and I won that one. That's awesome. And then I thought, okay, well, I... You know, I got a little confidence under my wings, and I thought, well, let me try for Expo West. Mm-hmm. So I made it to the um, the semifinals, and I made it to the finals, mm-hmm. and there were uh, four of us at pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just such a great experience. I really I really enjoyed it because it really forces you. I mean, I, I practiced a lot, and it forces you to learn each and every aspect of your business, upside right. and downside and and, you know, you turn over every single right. rock because you don't – the questions that you're asked, you should know the answers to. Right. Because these are questions that are going to help you propel your brand forward. Right. So so when I – I was I, glad to be asked. Yeah, no, and it's um, – I told you, I mean, there were – I think 150 applications for that for the expo pitch event. So you know, I was on the selection committee. So we went through a lot of pitch. You know, so just to be selected um, to the top 10 pitch, right, and then to make it to the final round—that's a big deal. Um, and and I I think it would be so. So what I find interesting was um, so I it was lovely to be assigned to be your mentor because I already knew you which was great, but it was also fun because I think, you know, how how you were pitching when you were at Project Nosh was about the brand and that gets people excited, but then when you get to the world of investing and asking for money, you're really pitching a business model, and it was fun to work with you to get you to to that place in how you were right. talking we had, about we had your to business. Right, we had to swap out a bunch of slides, different slides, and you gave me some wonderful suggestions on you know, where do you fit in the marketplace? And yep. what is the potential for the freezer section? And mm-hmm. um, and why do you think your brand will make a difference in this space? Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what kind of traction does it have? So there were so many things that, like you mentioned, from a financial perspective, they're looking at, yeah, at it's a different the potential kind of, a thing. of, of yeah. what this brand could potentially mm-hmm. become. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've heard so many little tidbits, you know, they, they bet on the jockey, not the horse, you know. Right. You have to have a great 
a great product and a tasty product and a good brand, but at the end of the day, they're, they're looking at who's creating this and do you know what you're doing? And, right, right. And the truth is, I, I can't say I always do, but I know who to go to. Yeah, <laughs> I, no, I, I know. I know where to find the answers. So. Yeah, and I think you're, you're um, one of the entrepreneurs who is... Um, uh, how to say this takes coaching readily and that that makes a big difference i mean i think people who start there's got to be an element of of confidence and things because and vision right in entrepreneurs because otherwise they'll never make it to, to, through to the end but the really good ones are also just always looking for people to help them and you mm-hmm. know and they listen to the feedback they get so that's probably the biggest when i think of Looking at entrepreneurs and kind of the, what's the biggest predictor to me of of who's going to really make it? it, it tends to be the people who are aggressively seeking to um, learn from people who've done things before. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, thank so you, thank you pitched. <laughs> So you pitched and you you made it to the final five and um, and you get a lot of questions too from people at that pitch event. Um, so what kinds of things were they asking you about? Um, so a lot of it was, I mean, when I was up there pitching, so there were four of us that made it to the final. Yep. And, and like I said, I was the only food. So I was mm. up against um, a drink, a toothpaste, and... Um, I am blanking on the fourth one, but I think it was also in the in the beverage category. Mm-hmm. So that was the only actual food. But they, you know, they ask you questions as as to how your competition is, and, and you'd be, you know, remiss to think that you don't have competition. So you have to know you have it, and you have to know how you right. place amongst it, mm-hmm. and what differentiates your product from from them. And and one of the General Mills judge um, mentioned to me, you know, you place yourself always in this quandary by yourself because you want to differentiate and you think that your product is different in attributes and features and what have you. And she said, you know, being up in a closet on your own, does that mean that someone tried it before and failed? Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of dangerous when you're in this closet. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking that, you know, am I trying something that just either A, has never been done before or has it been done and it just wasn't successful because there's no need in the marketplace mm-hmm. for it. So, mm-hmm. you know, those are, those are food for thought. Um, and, yeah, it is food and it, for you know, thought, and I think you and I talked about just the freezer category in and of itself has been kind of a dead zone, right? I think that's changing, though, because I um, uh, love the wild was, I worked with um, Jacqueline last year, and, and um, she, too, is experiencing quite a bit of success and getting traction, so... Um, with a branded product in a freezer that doesn't look like, you know, ice-covered, awful mixed vegetables, right? Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so how do you get um, get people's attention? Um, how do you promote when you're in the freezer? Yeah, that's, that's the challenge that, that we're sort of trying to solve right now. Um, I think the freezer for me and the way I not just educate my one-on-one clients that I do nutritional um, coaching for, but also just as a convenience, I, I really talk about our product as solving that if you're going to throw out your diet because you're not prepared mm-hmm. or you haven't planned, then Tribali is the answer because mm-hmm. we, we're in the freezer, we cook straight from frozen, 
and you could buy it. It's got an 18-month shelf life, and it's there for you when you need it, when you need this product. Because there are times that we, you know, we love to plan and prep and prepare, but life gets in the way, and there's times when we don't. And Mm -hmm. for those times, the last thing you want to do is say, oh, just do it, just go through the drive-thru and eat whatever. I would rather you have that healthy, you know, mindful way of eating in your freezer that you could pull out and have ready in under 10 minutes. Everyone could chop a salad or roast vegetables. That's the easy part. The vegetables is the easy part. It's the protein that people get a little, mm-hmm. you know, overwhelmed with. Yeah, do I roast the whole chicken? Do I put a pot roast in the oven? What do I do? And if you have these little patties that mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need to make them into a burger, I mean, you can if you like, but I have them on my package as, as your protein source on your plate. And right. your cauliflower rice or your zoodles or chopped over a salad. So to me, they solve that convenience and that effortless mm-hmm. way to solve your problem. Um and it's just educating people that the freezer is really um, as good as fresh. Mm-hmm. I mean, my product, it, it's frozen directly after it's made um, in, in a, you know, blast freezer that, that when you open it and you go to cook it, you could still smell all those spices and herbs mm-hmm. and vegetables. There's that freshness that comes yeah. out. So. There is, there, it's, it's really because of the advancements in freezer technology, right, that has enabled that flash freezing to happen. Um, right. You know, it, it, it just consumers have been, people like my generation, right, um, grew up eating freezer burned mixed vegetables that tasted like crap, right? And so, getting, oh, yeah. right, getting people's heads over, you know, the perception of that is, is kind of ingrained in people. So it's it's a bit of a challenge for the category. Do you demo when you're in stores, or how do you do that? Oh, we do. We yeah. do demoing a lot. And I, we have a motto, like, once they try, they buy. Because, oh, I because bet. of the freshness, um, when you cook them at the demo, and even at that Expo West, I mean, I was telling you, we had a bottleneck at our booth. Because you had a bottleneck at your booth. <laughs> people were coming up and just wanting to take a bite and taste it. Um, there's a lot of aroma that comes World. Oh, I bet. And and yeah. you won a Nexty, too, right? We did. We won the Nexty for the um, Best New Frozen Food product. Oh, that's so cool. Very exciting. You know, yeah. you get a lot of recognition from that award, actually. I yeah. hope so. I'm seeing things trickling in every day. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, it, it's so there's so many new brands of everything right now coming into retail that anything you can do to show recognition like that is a big deal, right? So that's that being in a pitch event like like the expo event and making it all the way to the final four the way you did and and winning the next C is a big deal. Right. And it's so hard to differentiate. I mean there were thousands and thousands of new companies new brands at this expo. I feel like it it grew exponentially from the previous mm. years. And um and I mean you know, I'm I'm new to this journey, but I do strongly feel that unless you put yourself out there and you bring your product to the forefront, it's so hard to to be noticed. It's so right. hard to make a um, make a stake and and mm-hmm. no pun intended, but but yeah. you know, have you have you noticed? Unless you put yourself out there and put that brand, you know, mm-hmm. apply for everything, get in front, talk about it. I mean, I went up to Food Bites in San Francisco too, and. Got up on stage for that one minute. Here's my brand. Here's what I do. 30 seconds. I could do it in 60 seconds and, and tell you what I'm about. So every chance I get, I feel like 
it's important to put it out there mm-hmm. because there's new brands popping up daily. Right. Right, and you need champions, right? People who are going to support you. And it sounds like you're getting incredible retailer support for, you know, for a brand that launched in September to have Target after you already and Whole Foods. That's impressive. Yeah, and I mean, I, Whole Foods was was the one that I went to initially. They they found my product and partnered, mm-hmm. you know, and that took me, like I said, almost a year to bring it back to them. And then after I had everything, then I'm you know, I'm my best salesperson. Oh, I can I'm sell sure. my product like no other. So I made these appointments, went to the various other retailers here in California. And starting off, you know, I was flattered to have other national retailers knock on my door and say, oh, we've heard of you, we've seen your product. But it's really important to make sure that you have the distribution, supply chain, the, the staff, to even mm-hmm. service any account that you're going into. And right now, I feel most comfortable is servicing my radius. So yeah. anything in Southern and Northern California, and maybe the Pacific Northwest as I go up a little bit, mm-hmm. would be what I consider my backyard and what I could reach. Right. Reach. Um, and then Target, you know, well, Target's a different. We, we kind of veered away from our strategy to go into 170 super targets that are doing grocery, and, you know, Target's changing a little mm-hmm. bit their whole um, storefront. They're putting grocery in the front so mm-hmm. that people can come in and grab what they need and get out, not having to go through the entire department store. Right, store. right. Um, and that, and so we targeted which which ones are really high in the paleo and mm-hmm. special eating and clean ingredients, and we identified where our demographics would be, and we picked those targets to introduce our product to. So mm-hmm. I think if you're strategic and methodical about how you're going to roll out nationally, I think there is a play to do that. But, you know, I'm really cautious about running before I walk. You know, I want to yeah, make sure I've, I've got all my steps forward and I know what I'm doing before I start mm-hmm. um, rolling out too fast. Yeah. No, and it also just, you know, the working capital required to, to sustain rollouts like that is pretty significant. So... There's just a good financial argument behind being more methodical as well. Right, and I took your advice that you gave me on the phone, and we're uh-huh. down the course of getting our SBA loan. See, isn't this. that awesome? Yes, thank yeah. you so much for that. It's called the 7, correct? It's the so. 7A, yeah. It's a really 7A. great program for brands that are in your um, space right now, just in your in your not space in the sense of um, financial stage of development. So it'll be super helpful for you. So that's, that is so exciting to hear all of this. And how, how does your dad feel about this? His vegetarian daughter is now in the meat patty business. Not only did I come full circle, but then I dove deep down into the rabbit hole of production. He is, um, he could be more proud. I, I bet. Beside himself that, you know, the burger place that he's had for over 40 years here in Pasadena, now, you know, we're taking the patty concept and just rolling it out. Oh, um, how fun. It's unfortunate that, that they won't, you know, my brothers are running the business now and and it's such a, it's such a great business and a, a good, you know, generator of good food. But but we're not carrying my patties in the burger restaurant. Right. Well, it's kind of a, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think it's just coming full circle, right? It's got to be awesome for you and your family. 
Thank you. No, it is. It is. And we're all in the food business. Brothers have taken over dad's business and have opened up subsequently two barbecue restaurants. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. So we're, you know, we are in the food, either food service and now food manufacturing. We, we know a thing or two about food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? In, in a lot of ways, I'm sure that helped you along the way with this. I mean, even though food service is different, it's still a business around food, and so you had that in your DNA. Right. We say burgers are in our blood. Burgers <laughs> are in our blood. <laughs> and now you're That's giving, what we say. Here yeah, that house, is what you say, right? And, and now you can say it's good burgers are in our, our good blood, Yeah, right? grass-fed burgers are right, in our blood. Right, right. Right. Have we missed anything? Um, anything you want to talk about yet? Yeah, no, I think we covered. I mean, we covered most of it. The journey. The um, yeah, yeah, and where you've business. gotten to, and um, yeah, just reflections. So about your brand, I think we got to stay in touch because you're um, you're clearly on a path that is. Um, you know, exponential growth here. And so the more I heard you talk about your products, the more I'm like, oh, God, I can't wait till they come out here. Will you send me your address so I can send you some? I think Absolutely. <laughs> After all this, I get to have some in my freezer, too, because, yeah, there After are... After all this done for me, you definitely deserve a pack of beef. Exactly. Um, maybe we can close it out, Sarah, by just kind of telling people my... Um, and we've done a lot of great things on social media. I'm yeah. surprised how that's grown and where they can find me yeah, and my go website and my social handles and that kind of stuff. Is, yeah. That's so, a good way to ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. So it, it start, go for it here. So um, you can find us on our website at www.trevallifoods.com, and you can also purchase us through our website. Um, I also opened most recently an Amazon storefront, so people can buy mm. both there as well. And we are in the SOPAC region of Whole Foods Market and hoping to make our way into maybe another region or two here in the next year. Um, and also at Bristol Farms, Gelson's, a few other independent grocers here in Southern California and rolling out super targets in May. That's amazing. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. This has been fantastic, and I'll be watching. Thank you, Tara. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.